Hi, my name is Scott and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website www.RestoredTemecula.Church and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I love you guys. Um, this morning we're going to jump back into our series, The King and His Kingdom. We have been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew, and the reason we've been in Matthew is we have a specific agenda with this. We want to learn as much as we possibly can about the King of Heaven, and it's the Kingdom. The, when I say Kingdom of Heaven, I mean the Kingdom of God. It's, it's when God gets His way. It's His rule, His reign through or on, like, uh, on the earth, His creation, right? What do things look like when God gets his way? That's what we're talking about. We talk about the kingdom of heaven. Um, now, we're at, in Matthew chapter 10. We, we, we started Matthew chapter 10 last Sunday. And Matthew chapter 10 is this remarkable um, portion of Matthew where it really focuses on the mission of God. And we, we've kind of, just to kind of a quick review for you, when we talk about the mission of God, what are we talking about? Um, people talk about the mission of the church to make disciples. Yes. Um, but why? Is the mission of God to plant churches? Yes, but why? The reason that we do these things is because God's ultimate mission is to overthrow the kingdom of darkness. There are, uh, there's an opposing kingdom to his, and it desires its will on the earth. And God is transcendent. He is the highest authority. He's the highest power. And it's his desire to overthrow the kingdom of darkness, both in you and through you and all around you. It's his desire, okay? <clears throat> and so if you were with us last week, we talked about how you cannot separate discipleship from the mission of God. When I say disciple, a disciple means learner. You guys know this, but someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every single area of life. So discipleship is spiritual formation. It's, it's the process of the rest of our life looking like becoming more like Jesus, right? And we talked about how you can't separate discipleship from the mission of God. In other words, to say no to God's mission is to say no to discipleship. And none of us would necessarily, I bet you most of us in the room, if not all of us in the room, wouldn't say like, would never think like, oh, I wouldn't say no to the mission of God completely, but there's so many of these like specific little areas when God tells you to forgive your spouse and you don't want to because they're being a jerk. You're like, yeah, I'm going to opt out of that. That element of the leadership, the lordship, the mission of God. You, you, you're tracking with me. So none of us would say like no to the mission, at, like the entire mission, but we'll say no to all these little aspects of it as we deem fit, which essentially is like this bastardized Frankenstein version of our own kingdom. We want the benefits of the kingdom of God without the king. You with me? To say no to God's mission is to say no to discipleship. A Christian is a disciple, so the mission of God, it's, it's not a suggestion for the Christian. It's an assignment, and it's for our good and for the good of those around us. And so today, what my hope is as we go through um, more of Matthew chapter 10, my hope is that you're going to see something. 
My hope is that maybe some light bulbs would go off about just how personalized God's invitation is to you to join him in his mission and how you were created. Part of the reason you were created was to embrace that, step into it with power, with authority, with confidence, to see God's kingdom come in you, around you, and to experience a ton of pleasure, a ton of blessing, despite the temporary, momentary afflictions, pain, suffering, darkness that we're in the midst of. You with me? All right. So Matthew chapter 10, you can go and grab your Bibles. We're going to be there. Matthew chapter 10. Before we jump into the passage today, um, I want to pray as per usual. Um, I want to ask that as we're praying right now, I want to actually actually ask you to pray for me. Um, Just to be candid with you. uh, It was really beautiful. Jamie just prayed for me. It was awesome. Thanks, Jay. Um, But I want to pray that God opens our eyes to see Jesus more clearly. But I also want to ask you to pray for me. Um, And maybe you can relate to this. Friday was my Sabbath. And it was a transcendent day. Like, um, <clears throat> some changes happened, but like me and my eldest, we went, uh, we went skiing in Big Bear uh, and just had a wonderful like all-day date together, which was amazing. We had a lot of fun, some adventures. And then I came home, went to the men's social, got to hang out with my friends, drink good beer. It was a wonderful evening. And then like for the next 24 hours, it was just like war. Like on every front of my life, I mean, everything that you can imagine, there's just boom, 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 all at the same kind of intense time. So I just share that to say, like, I'm a human being too, right? We're all wearing this together. Um, I feel like I'm not on my A game spiritually. I feel a little disoriented. I feel like some of the bombs are going off around me. And I really want to honor you and I really want to honor Jesus because I feel like there's something really profound for us in this passage. As individuals, every single individual in the room, and, and more importantly, collectively, as a church family. So let's pray together. If you just maybe silently, God, give him strength, whatever you want to pray. I love your prayers. And I just really want the spirit to show us Jesus in some more, honestly, deeper ways because I think it's going to really benefit us, okay? So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in humility. We sang it this morning. They're really like, there's nothing better than you. Your goodness, it, it transcends our ability to comprehend it. And so I ask for your help in comprehending just how good you are this morning. Just how wonderful you are, Jesus. There's no love like your love, Jesus. Nothing even comes close. Your sacrifice, your faithfulness, your loyalty, your dedication, your passion teach us about your love for us and the people around us. I pray freedom. That's what I pray. We love you, Jesus. We look to you now. Holy Spirit, help us. And all God's people said together, amen. All right, so I'm gonna start in Matthew chapter one. Uh, We did that last week, but it sets the tone for this passage. Matthew chapter one says this, or Matthew chapter 10, verse one says this. Summoning his 12 disciples, he, Jesus, Gave them authority. That, that word authority, it's in the original Greek, it's translated in English, right? That original word authority, it, it means both power and authority to use that power. Okay, so there's a difference. Power and the authority to use that power. That's what that word means, okay? 
So he gave them that power and the authority to use that power over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And if you remember, he's going to go through who the 12, the 12 original disciples were, right? So skip down to verse 5. We covered that last week. If you want to listen in, it could be helpful. Verse 5, Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Here's the instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews. And don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Verse 9, don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. All right, that's our passage. Um, I want to cover three things this morning. This passage, it really highlights three things about the mission of God, okay? If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. God's mission always involves a who, God's mission always involves a who. It involves people, specific people, okay? Now listen, God, he, he firstly, he, he calls us to himself. Come to me. Come to me. He, first he calls us to himself, and then afterwards, our primary calling isn't to a task or even a place. Um, a, a decent part of pastoral ministry is, 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 is people, is, is meeting with people, loving on people, serving people who are wrestling with what God's calling them to. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? Like, God, what's my calling in life? Where is God calling me to? Maybe um, so I see some of the youth in the room, like, what vocation is he calling me to? That transcends like morality, doesn't it? There's not like a right or a wrong answer. Like, am I called to the medical field? Am I called to the classroom? Am I called to public service? Am I called to a trade? Like, that trend, that, you need wisdom for that, right? We, people are constantly, we're, if you're like me, what, what, what's my calling? It happens all the time. Hear me. Our primary, after Jesus calling us to himself, that's our primary calling to him. After that, our primary calling is actually not to a task. It's actually not even to a place. Our primary calling is to people. In this case, in this passage, who is Jesus sending these disciples to? Did you catch it? Talk to me. Loud. Lost sheep of Israel. Lost sheep of Israel. So he's talking about the Jews, right? The specific people. He he's, he's, says, not Gentiles, non-Jews, not Samaritans. He goes, go to the Jews. Um, <clears throat> gosh, the la I mean, like the last 12 years or so, maybe a little longer, um, my family and I have been on this like church planting journey. Like God's like clearly given us in, like instructions and an assignment in various seasons. He's invited us to, to 
participate in his mission in specific ways, and it's looked like church planting the last 12 years. And I remember for each kind of phase, it looked a little bit different, but there was a lot of like similarities. And I remember um, coming out of the second church plant in South Bay, San Diego, uh, we, we knew that God was beginning the process of like birthing something. It's like, baby's coming, you can't, I remember my mom said, hey, when a baby's coming, you, you can't stop the birthing process. And what God was birthing in us was we knew that there was a new invitation to another element of his mission. And it involved coming here. And I remember like praying because there was uncertainty about where. And I remember telling God, like we're from the area, me and my wife both. And I remember telling God, many of you have heard this story, but I remember being like, oh, I'm never going back there. Uh, spent eight years even in ministry pastoring here. Six years pastoring, eight years of ministry. And so it was like that season of life, that chapter, it's closed, you know? Like, God, what, you, what nation do you want to send me to, you know? And I remember when he said that it was here. And I remember, like, the way that he worked on our heart with that, and it was a whole process I can get into later, but, like, God didn't send me and my family and the team that came with us, Herrick, Heather, there's many of them in the room, my brother, Cassie, Chad's back there. Like, there's a, there's a handful of us. Like, he didn't send us primarily to Temecula. He, he sent us to you. He sent us to you because God's mission always involves a who. It's people. Do you have any idea how much God loves people? Guys, do, do you know who God, do you know who God has called you to? Like, do you have clarity? Are you absolutely certain? Who has God called you to? Your household? No doubt. You belong to gospel community? No doubt your GC. If you're a member of this church family, you look around, these folks, yes, for sure. But there are others. There are others. Jesus, you got, somebody mentioned it. He used the language of the lost sheep. Listen, he uses that language because every disciple is called to lost sheep. People in your life that, that, that haven't yet come to grips with the reality of the love of God for them. The pleasure, the joy, the hope of union, reconciliation with their maker. Nothing comes close. People who have, don't, don't have a, a meaningful connection to Jesus' body, his family, the church. All of us are surrounded by people like that. And they're not, any, they're not like less than us. The gospel is a gospel of grace. It's not like, oh man, those people need to get their act together. Like, they need to figure it out. Like, no, I'm a recipient of God's intervening grace of my life. We'll get into it in a sec. He says, freely you've received, freely give. But every single disciple, was, they're called to lost sheep. Do you, do you know who God has called you to, friend? God's mission, it always involves a who. It always involves people. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing that we see in this passage, God's mission always involves a what. So we covered the who. Let's cover the what. Now, the what is really two things, always. All right, it's declaring and demonstrating. That's alliteration for you. That's like a, yeah. Declaring and demonstrating, words and actions. That's the what that God is calling us to, God's mission always involves a what? Words and actions, declaring and demonstrating. But declaring and demonstrating what? 
It says it in verse seven there. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Come near, come close. Not fully arrived, but it's near. Already not yet. Now, this should sound familiar. This was, if you know who John the Baptist is, John, this was John the Baptist's message. He was the forerunner to the leading of the, the, like the, the Jesus showing up on the scene. John the Baptist is around and he's, let's just, let's read it together. Matthew chapter three, verses one and two. If you guys have the words back there, you throw them up there for us. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven has come near. Listen, that's the message that's being declared with words. It's, it's a message of repentance. That's why he says, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. In other words, there is a king, okay? There's a king whose kingdom actually transcends this, these earthly kingdoms. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a higher kingdom. It's the kingdom of the heavens, right? And this king, whew, he's different. This king, he's, he's gracious. He, he's merciful. He's filled with compassion. He offers forgiveness. How do we know that to be true? We know that because there's an invitation to repent, if you have a king who's overthrowing another kingdom, and he, that kingdom is in opposition to me and my rule and my reign and my way, you just obliterate it. You're standing in my way. That's every, his, every war that's ever been fought is that way. This king is different, isn't he? Hey, repent. The kingdom, it's, it's near. He's gracious, he's merciful, he offers forgiveness. Listen, that's really, really good news for anyone who's ever sinned against that God or against the people that that God loves, which is everyone. Repent. Repentance is like a different thing, guys. It's, I, think it's a, I think oftentimes we misunderstand. We've talked about this often, but the refresher is helpful. Repentance is more than just like, I'm sorry. It's more than remorse. It's not just I'm sorry, it's like I'm, I'm stopping. It, it, it literally means to change, to change your mind, to change your direction. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. Um, remorse would be like, heaven forbid, uh, you get a DUI. Okay, remorse would be like, dang it, my, they're taking my license away. Gosh, it's gonna be on my record there's going to be shame involved. What are people going to think? Like, it makes sense. That's, you know, it's remorseful. It's not bad. We ought to have remorse when we blow it. And everybody in this room blows it. Repentance is different than remorse. Repentance is like, oh man, in, in, in my lack of self-control, in my disregard for other people on the road, like, I I sinned against God. Not only did I like disregard other people, right? Lack of self-control, but those things are, I, diso I disobeyed him. I rejected him and his ways in doing so. Repentance, it's, it's coming back to God and his kingdom. It's, it's a coming home. It's a his rule and reign. I want to re-embrace that because I didn't. 
So it's way more than just remorse. Repentance, what it is, it's, it's, it's the manifestation of receiving God's forgiveness and grace. So when you blow it, his invitation to receive forgiveness and grace, you actually take him up on that and it, it influences how then you live. So it's more than just I'm sorry. It's I'm stopping that behavior and I'm coming back to the kingdom. I'm coming back to his rule and his reign. You with me in this? We gotta understand this. The invitation to repent because the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of heaven is near, it's the gospel. It's good news, man. And God desires that we as his, as his children, as, as disciples of Jesus, that we would declare that gospel of the kingdom in ways that are applicable to the people that he sends us to. So the example, like the DUI guy, right? If he's repenting, oh my gosh, the gratitude for the, give, for, for the forgiveness of Jesus. The gratitude that, that his identity is not, is not rooted in his performance, but rather in the performance of the perfect one in his place. That bubbles up thanksgiving and gratitude. Like he did that for me and I didn't deserve it. Grace, right? And then what does he do? In light of that, he begins to practice self-control. Not to earn God's love, but because he has it, or he already has it, and he, and he doesn't deserve it. So he begins to practice that self-control as, as an act of devotion and gratitude to God and worship, right? And then he, and he starts to like consider other people more than he considers himself. That's repentance. It's different than remorse, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> it's pursuing godliness. It's not like, I'm gonna try not to get a DUI again. It's, I'm pursuing godliness, okay? It's God's desire that we would declare the gospel of the kingdom, but hear me, he also wants us to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. So not just a declaring of it, but a demonstration of it with actions. Hear me, anybody who tells you that you're, you, the only thing that matters is your actions and not your words, that's not, that's not the way of Jesus, we need words and actions. We need declaring and demonstration, but not just any actions. Following orders. These disciples, they were given orders to do what? Look at it, talk to me. What orders did Jesus get? Like specific, he got really specific. Here's what I want you to do. What does he say? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with leprosy. And what's the last one? Drive out demons. There's other ones too. Guys, do you realize, hear me, God will actually tell you to do stuff. And not just like the be good. Love your neighbor. He definitely says that. But he gets specific, doesn't he? Guys, he will actually tell you to do stuff. To demonstrate his power and authority through you. To, to demonstrate what his rule and reign is really like, to demonstrate his kingdom. He'll, he'll tell you to do wild, uncomfortable things like forgive. Ah, oh, but they were like so rude to me. They sin, maybe they sinned against you in abusive, evil, wicked ways. Trust is different than forgiveness. I don't, this is another message, but like, you don't have to trust untrustworthy people. But forgiveness is, unforgiveness is bondage for you, right? 
He will, he will, he'll give you orders. Hey, the kingdom, the, 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 the way things are supposed to be, forgive. Dude, he'll tell you to do radical and sacrificial acts of generosity. I can't even, yeah. You just gotta raise at work. God's like, hey, I want you to give to that person. How uncomfortable is that? God, I've been working hard all of 2023. He will, he will give you directions to do wild things that you don't want to do sometimes. Radical acts of love, even to your enemies. Why? Because that's what his kingdom's like. Acts of service. Like when your kitchen falls apart and you can't really cook anything. Taylor's out there this disaster with their kitchen. They don't have a kitchen. God will tell you to do in, maybe inconvenient things like send them food, have them over for dinner because they can't cook in the kitchen. Or whatever it is. There's a hundred different things. Acts of service. What would benefit someone else in a time of need? God, hear, guys, hear me. Sometimes... God will even tell you to do miracles like he did with these disciples. Um, you ever seen a demon manifest in a person? You ever, you ever encountered like severe brokenness? Like someone who can't see? Someone who can't hear? Someone who can't walk? someone who's experienced a level of trauma in their life that has left them, there's no way to put it, handicap. Hear me. I wonder what would happen if the next time you encountered the kingdom of darkness, if you just simply asked Jesus what he wants you to do about it. Um, in 2019, I was in Durban, South Africa, meeting with a couple different churches, doing some trainings and some preaching, and just um, usually, I don't know, two or three times a year, um, <clears throat> my travel schedule will take me out of the country. And I'm with a church that know and love, partner with, really love them a lot, and I'm, I'm doing like a prayer and prophecy training. Like really, like if you guys have been through God Speaks Spanish, like how to listen, to the, how to discern and listen to the voice of God, I'm doing a variation of that for a church in Durban. And that trip was really hard because I get there in like a day or two into getting there. I'm there for probably seven to 10 days. I forget something in that range. And I just got sick. And like, if you've ever been jet lagged and ill, that combination is the worst. It's awful, okay? So I have this training. It's gonna be, I think it was like on a Thursday night or something like that. And I wake up Thursday, I feel like garbage still, and I'm like, I'm just gonna spend the day in bed and just pray and ask God to like, give me the strength that I need to do it. So I spend the day in bed, uh, I, get to the, I get to the training, I do the training, it's a long one, it's like three hours long, and I am fried. And to be candid with you, like, I'm not on my A game. Like, you know, when sometimes you're like, I'm gonna push through and you do it, and you're like, that was borderline not worth doing because I was so like off. That was, it was one of those kind of nights. So it clearly wasn't like my skill, my talent, it was none of that, Okay. And what I do at the end of that training is I, I paired people up to, to pray for each other, but I, but I directed them 
So I want you to let God inform your prayers. So listen on the person's behalf and then let God lead you in prayer in the, the ways that I taught them, okay? So this happens, right? I paired these two women up. And one of the women, uh, she, she, was, she was a more mature uh, woman and the other one was, 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 was kind of younger. And the younger one, she, she shared, you know, the, whole, the whole training is, okay, well, how can I pray for you? They tell, they inform them, here's how you can pray for me. And then they spend time listening to God on the person's behalf and, and kind of praying prophetically. And the, the younger woman was, was really struggling. She had like chronic severe back pain. And so the older woman, she's practicing what we're learning and she's looking to God, listening to God for him to give direction. God, what do you want to do about it? God, what should I do? And she hears the spirit say to her, heal her. This older woman, she'd been a Christian for over 50 years, okay? She'd never prayed healing over someone. So you can imagine the discomfort, the, did, was that really God? No, it couldn't have been. Like, uh, the, the like anxiety that might arise of like, what if I'm wrong? What if I, what if I blow this? What if I, my performance is not good? Like, what if, what if this goes south? But she had enough faith to put her hand on the woman's back in a simple prayer of healing. And I got the report afterwards. Both women felt her hand get super hot and the woman is instantly healed. What happened there? The older lady, she she didn't force anything. She wasn't like, She wasn't like getting loud and like hitting her in the forehead and like sprinkling holy water. She wasn't doing any of that. She simply asked God what to do and he gave the order and she said, yes. Yes, Lord. Even if it was uncomfortable, even if it was kind of weird. Friends, how many of you know God hasn't stopped giving orders? Sometimes the order is just as simple. Hey, trust me. I want you to trust me. I know things don't make sense right now. I know it's really hard. I know it's really disorienting. I know there's a lot of suffering right now. The order, just trust me. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's just like, hey, if it's for somebody else, sometimes it's just, hey, remind them that I'm with them in the pain. I know it's hard. Remind them that I'm with them in it. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's near. It hasn't fully arrived. The day's coming when it will fully arrive. Partly in the present, fully in the future, right? And other times, it's miraculous. Healer. Guys, God's mission, it always involves a who. It always involves a what. Words and actions, declaring and demonstrating. Actions, right? The gospel of the kingdom. And thirdly, God's mission always involves a how. Who, what, and how. Now, this how portion, there's a few things that I want to draw your attention to, okay? At the end of verse eight, I already referenced it, but Jesus tells them, he says, freely you've received, freely give. Okay, so in other words, what Jesus is saying here is the mission of God, it's not transactional. 
okay? It's not like a quid pro quo. Like, if I do this for you, then you'll do that for me. That's not what this is about, okay? There's no stipulations. It's a gift. It's not, I will minister to this person if they compensate me in some way. Now, it's interesting, though, because at the end of verse 10, Jesus says something. He says, the worker is worthy of his food. Did you catch it? Let's just read it together. Look at, look at verse 7. It almost seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth here. Verse 7 as you go, proclaim the kingdom of God has come, or kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Notice they did those things because he told them to. Things get really funky when people try to do things that Jesus never told them to do. Freely you received, freely give. Verse nine, don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Now listen, this isn't about them earning money for doing ministry. That's not what Jesus is saying. Um, He's getting at something else. Uh, Eugene Peterson in his, his message translation, just like modern English, uh, he, he, he does it beautifully. He basically, he translates that same exact verse, don't acquire gold, silver, or copy for your, copper for your money belts. He translates it this way. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. And then he continues, verse 10, don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff for the worker is worthy of his food. Guys, it's, it, it's important that we understand what Jesus is saying here, okay? He's saying this. As you say yes to God's mission, your needs will be met by God's provision. So oftentimes we get into trouble because we try to figure out how to, okay, I need to take a bunch of money with me for this mission. I need to bring a bunch of extra clothes and the staff. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Just, just worry about saying yes to me. Okay, I will provide your needs. Um, can I talk to the men in the room for just a second? Um, there is a, I don't know if you know this, uh, there's a massive cultural lie that tells you that you are your family's provider. Maybe you've even been told that. Maybe someone's just, just like loaded you up with the pressure. You're the provider, man. If you don't do it, Please hear me. That's like a, a lie. It's not a true thing. And the reason it's a lie is because you're not the provider. Do, do you know who, who is the provider? God's the provider. So can I, just, can I just help assist by taking some weight off of your pack? Some of you are loaded down with this. You play a role. Absolutely. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay some of you men work really hard. It's beautiful. It's godly. Well done. I'm not trying to diminish that. Work hard unto the Lord for your family. Absolutely. But God's the provider, man. God is. Now, well, here's the thing. You are a provider if you're living on your own mission. <laughs> if you're doing your own thing, yeah, then you are the provider because God's over here providing for those who are saying yes to his mission. So you're gonna have to work extra hard, man. Listen, if you are, if you're the provider, you're living your own mission, like that's a lot of weight, that's, that's a ton. It's weight that you're not meant to carry, but God, listen, if that's you, dude, you better be more skilled. 
You better be more talented. You better be more driven. You better be more connected than the other men out there who are buying into that same lie. It's competitive out there, man. There's only, the kingdom of the earth, resources are scarce, aren't they? There's only so much to go around. If you don't get yours, listen to me. The kingdom of heaven is different. There's no, there's not like a scarcity mindset in the kingdom of heaven. Abundance. It looks a little different. The truth is God is provider. If you're saying yes to the mission of God, God will provide for your needs. Do you hear me? And I just want to be candid with this one. This has been a, a biblical principle, a lesson that my father in heaven has spent over a decade drilling into me. Not like mean, in love. My family is a living picture that this is true, guys. Like, I can't even tell you. The, the, the last 12 years of us going, like, imperfectly, man, blowing it so often, but like, okay, Lord, I want to be open-handed with all of our resources, especially our time, what are you inviting us into? And then stumbling our way through the process of learning and growing to say yes to whatever he says and not doing it in isolation, doing it in community. Hey, brother, sister, gospel community, we're, this is what we feel like God keeps highlighting. Will you pray with us in this? And God has a way of leading and guiding and fathering his children together. Our life is a picture of this. Imperfectly, yes, but it's a picture nonetheless. God's always, he's always provided what we need even when it doesn't make mathematical sense. Listen, the first church plant, um, this is real, okay? We literally, we fundraised a little bit because no, it's not a job. There's not employment. There's no money. So we fundraised like as missionaries. God gave us an assignment. God's will, God's bill, right? Like that's a thing. So listen, <clears throat> we fundraised $1,850 a month for the first year. Just people, hey, we feel like God's, in community, people were, like, we feel like this is what God's, this is what yes to the mission of God looks like for us in this season, and people were generous to support it for a year. $1,850 a month. Our rent in San Diego was $1,500 a month. Our car payment was $350 a month. You tithe on that, we're already in the red. I know this sounds irresponsible. Sometimes it doesn't make sense on paper, but when you have direction from your Father in heaven, you have collaborative discernment that that actually is revelation, not from my will, but his. Guys, God will provide for your needs as you say yes to his mission. And if you need a case study, we will be your case study. Has it been easy? Absolutely not. We're not special. We're not. But we do have a track record of saying yes more often than we've said no. Hear me, even when it's flipping hard. But God has met our needs every single time. Has he met our wants? Nope. <laughs> no. But he's met our needs every single time, completely, friends. And please understand, this principle is not just for vocational ministers, man. It's for, it's for any disciple who says yes to God's mission. And hear me, it's way more than money. Some of you, you've been in a season where, gosh, you're like, you know what? Financially, 
my needs are like, I'm fine. I don't have any needs financially. And you know, oh, my needs are way more than just money. This, this is more than money, guys. God will provide what you need to carry out the mission he calls you to. It's a promise. Now, there's another thing that Jesus says, and it's kind of intense, but he's, he's the king. He says, some people are worthy and others are unworthy. Did you catch that? That's heavy. Look back at verse 11. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. If it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. All right, heavy. Jesus is saying there are those who are worthy of the mission and those who are unworthy. And he's also saying that the disciple will be able to tell the difference between the two, okay? Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there are people who are open to your message and there are people who are not. There are people who are open, open to your declaring the kingdom of God and demonstrating the kingdom of God and there are people who are not. Like 15 years ago, Ebony and I had a, a friend over at our house, young single woman, and she was going through some stuff at the time. She was having a, having a challenging go at it. And as, we're li- as I'm listening to her, I feel, like, I feel like God gives me an invitation into his mission. Like the who is her, the what, I feel like just clearly, I feel like he's like, tell her about me. Like really tell her about me. And so we start like talking to this young lady about Jesus, about his gospel, about like what he's like, who God is, his character, what he's done, what, that, what the implications of that are. And I'm talking to her and I, and I start to sense like there's like a lot of resistance. Well, you know, this and that and this. And I was like, okay, wait a second. Like, and I'm not, not confrontational. I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm hearing her out. And in my mind, I'm just like, wait a second. So I just ask her, I'm like, hey, listen, like in all seriousness, if I could like prove to you if I could prove to you, if I had like video evidence, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I could prove to you that Jesus was God, that, that he did what the Bible says he did, would you trust in him then? She looks, she thinks about it, she pauses, you know, and she goes, no, no, I wouldn't. Under no circumstances was she interested in yielding to the king and his kingdom? According to Jesus, that's what it means to be unworthy. My will be done. And I remember when she said no, it was like a, do you remember this? When she said no, we both just kind of dropped it. Like, oh, there's nowhere to go from here. Guys, that's what Jesus means by shake the dust off of your feet. It's a moving on. 
Listen, some of you, there are people in your life right now that would be so open, like they would be so open to you, you declaring and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom to them. And there are others that are not. Jesus says you will be able to tell the difference. And he says, and when you're faced with an unworthy person, move on. Don't badger them. Don't try to win. Don't try to win the debate. Now listen, that doesn't mean you stop praying for them or loving them. Like, no, that's not what I'm getting at. Oh, write them off. They said no. Like, no, that's not the heart of God, right? It doesn't mean you stop praying for them, but it does mean you direct your energies elsewhere. God's mission, it always has a who. It always has a what, right? Some form of declaration and demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom. And it always has a how. And that how, how you operate in that, it's not a transactional thing, right? God's gonna give you, he's gonna provide you what you need to carry it out. And when it's clear that the person doesn't want the king in his kingdom, shake the dust off your feet and move on. So here's the big question. I'm almost done. The big question is this. How do you find out the who, the what, and the how? Like, how do you get the specifics? How do you know your calling? How do you know the who, the what, and the how of living on God's mission? Look at verse one. Look back at verse one. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. How do you find out the who, the what, and the how? Hear me, please. You meet with Jesus. Super duper simple. How do you figure it out? How do you discern the specifics? You meet with him. You meet with Jesus. Jesus, look what happens here. Don't, we, gotta, we gotta get this order right. Jesus, he meets with his disciples, plural, he gives them power and direction, and then he sends them out in that order. We are going to get in a lot of trouble if we try to do ministry before we take the meeting. You with me? I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine you get a phone call. And it's from Elon Musk's assistant, his personal assistant. And it's, it's true, it's real. It's not like AI calling you or something crazy. Elon Musk's assistant calls you and goes, um, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, whatever. I don't care about your age. Like, he calls you, or the, the, the assistant calls you and says, hey, um, Mr. Musk would like to meet with you personally. Um, and he gives you some availability and some time. Here's my question. Imagine this, like Elon Musk, the richest guy in the world. Uh, I just Googled it. His, his net worth is $230 billion. That's like an, ins- you can't, that's unfathomable money, okay? Mr. Musk wants to meet with you. My question, like, would you take the meeting? Heck yeah, you'd freaking take the meeting. <laughs> yes, you would take the meeting. I would take the meeting. If anybody in the room here would not take the meeting, I, you take the meeting. Now, hear me. 
that meeting, it would probably carry some weight on your calendar, would it not? Like you might actually move things around to like make that meeting. Guys, do you realize the God of the universe wants to meet with you? He wants to meet with you. It's not a myth. He wants to meet with you. He wants to share his heart with you. He wants to share his heart for you. He wants to share his heart for other people. He wants to fill you with power. Not like worldly power, like supernatural power to do stuff that doesn't have any other explanation than like, whoa, that blind guy can see now. That's not because of your talent. Oh my goodness, they just forgave their stepdad who's abused them for 30 years. Wow. He wants to fill you with power. He wants to give you wisdom and direction and guidance. Listen to me. The God of heaven wants to meet with you, not just once. Every day of your life. Will you take the meeting? I got a lot going on. Elon Musk is worth $238 billion. Do you have any idea the riches of heaven? Some of you, you're living with your five-year plan. What about your 500-year plan? Do you have any concept of eternity? Will you take the meeting? Does he even make it onto your calendar? Or just kind of when it's convenient? Listen to me. If he doesn't make it onto your calendar, if you're not regularly taking the meeting with Jesus, hear me, and I say this in love, and from experience of blowing it, you will lack the direction and the power necessary to live out God's mission for your life. You'll spin your wheels. You'll get burnt out. You'll fall apart. So can I just exhort you pastorally for just a second? If you're like, hey, you know what? That sounds good. I don't even know where to start, man. Like, what do I do? Can I just exhort you? Get your booty in the prayer room. Come join us in the prayer room. If a time slot doesn't work, well, there's three time slots right now. Seven to eight 9.30 to 10.30 on Tuesday mornings and then Thursdays from uh, four to five. If one of those time slots, you can't make it, there's work, let us know and we will make one for you. We will figure it out. It's that important. Listen to me. Herrick, I love that you mentioned it because he didn't know that I wanted to talk about this. He mentioned it during family time. He goes, like individual time with Jesus is so important. Coffee, Bible, him, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things in life to do, to be candid. It's vital. You gotta do that, okay? It's massively, massively important. But Jesus didn't like summon, in verse one, he didn't like summon his disciples to him and then go, okay, line up. Peter, let's talk. Next. John, let's talk. No, 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 no. He summoned them together. He met with them together, didn't he? Join us in the prayer room. 
hear me, if you aren't absolutely sure, I'm talking, I know. The moment Tom said who, I knew. The moment Tom said what, I knew. The moment how, I knew. If you're not absolutely sure of the who, the what, and the how, and the season of life that you're in now, if you lack any ounce of power, if you lack direction in any way, chances are you would really, really benefit from time with Jesus. Take the meeting, man. It's an open meeting. He wants to meet with you. All right, band, will you come up? I want to close in just a minute. We're doing great on time. You guys with me still? Great. Youth, if you ever need a ride to the prayer room, call me, text me, I will personally come pick you up. I'm serious, this isn't a a joke. I will pick you up anytime. Or I will send an Uber if I literally can't. (laughs) I just thought about that, well, that was a big, that was a big, uh, I'm on my yes to be my yes and my no to be my no. I will make sure there's a way for you to get there that's safe that your parents would condone, okay? So maybe I wouldn't send an Uber. Maybe what I would do is, no. I will, I will figure it out. No empty promises, okay? Parents are like, this guy's sketchy trying to send Ubers for my daughter. No. All right. Um, so, can't separate discipleship from Christianity, okay? Can't separate uh, the mission of God from discipleship. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, you're called to live on mission, okay? To other people because God has lived on mission to you. Did you hear me? You're called to it. You're called to live on mission to other people because God lived on mission to you, right? It's not just him delegating this stuff. He demonstrated it, didn't he? He modeled it in the person of Jesus. The, the, God's mission, it always has a who, right? It always has a what. It always has a how. Guess what? The who was you. Do you know that? Who was you? And what about the what? What does Jesus do? He declares the good news, right? Repent, because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of of heaven is, is near. And he doesn't just declare it. He demonstrates it. The perfect life. This is what it looks like to yield to the rule and reign of God. This is what it looks like to fully be immersed in the kingdom of God. His perfect life in your place. His, his substitutionary death on the cross in your place, in my place. He makes it possible for you to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. That's the, that's the what. That's how he declared and demonstrated. And what about the how? It's the same thing too. The how, it wasn't transactional, right? It, it was grace, it was, it was purely a gift. You can't earn it. And I love that the scripture said Jesus emptied himself. He took on human limitations, which mean, meant that he had to rely on the Holy Spirit in ways that you and I do. And what did God do? God provided exactly what Jesus needed to accomplish your, your redemption, your restoration, your rescue from the kingdom of darkness. But hear me, Jesus knows when to shake the dust. This one's serious. 
Jesus knows when to shake the dust. He will respect the choices that you make to receive him or to reject him. And so a question that I just have to ask is like, have you actually received Jesus? Not just as a savior, but as a Lord, as a king, as a good king who's gracious and patient and faithful no matter what, even when you blow it. That when you and I blow it, he goes, repent. Come home. Come on back. But to come home, you got to leave where you are. Have you received Jesus? He wants you to, and you can. Maybe for the first time ever, really. Or maybe for the hundredth time. Because he's that good. So many people, man, wondering what their calling is. First calling to him. Absolutely. You're called to be a disciple. And therefore, your second calling, you're called to live on mission to other people because God lived on mission to you. You see it? You see God's strategy to overthrow the kingdom of darkness in you, through you. In us, through us. Will you stand with me if you're able? Man, we need some of that piano. That feels, that feels really nice. Thank you. Harry, can we have some more of that? Thanks, dude. That's not to manipulate you, by the way. I want to pray for us but I want God to direct our prayers. Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to every heart in the room right now. Your children are listening. Some of you, it's felt like your faith is um, like a sunset, like the sun's going down on your faith. It's been a rough, it's been a rough go lately. Spirit wants you to know it's not a sunset, it's a sunrise. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of light overpowering the darkness. That's what sunrises do, don't they? Beautiful Holy Spirit, that's awesome. Thank you that you speak to us, keep speaking. You're nowhere near done this morning. Some of you, the opportunity is right in front of you to yield to the Lordship of Jesus. It's gonna give you more pleasure than you've ever experienced in your entire life. It's gonna require courage. 
It's gonna require bravery. And guess what? God provides that with which we need to say yes to his mission, his agenda, to overthrow the kingdom of darkness in us and through us and all around us. Listen to me. He wants you because he loves you and you are worth it. You are worth living on mission for. You are worth living perfectly for even when it was hard. You are worth yielding to the brutality of the cross. God's desire for you is real, friend. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help every single one of us receive the love of Jesus for us. It's not a myth, it's real. I pray that you'd clearly begin to teach us more and more. We'd we'd be able to hear your voice, discern your voice more and more about the mission that you're inviting us into. And I pray that we'd have the faith to say yes, even when it doesn't always make sense, even when it's uncomfortable or it's hard or you're tired and you're just weary and you're beat down. It's like, can I just get a break? Can I just get some rest? I just want some rest and some peace. And all the while, Jesus is going, yeah. My yoke is easy. My, my, my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary. Get off your phone. Come to me. I, I can give you rest. I can give you everything that you need. But you gotta believe me. You gotta trust me. Father, give us faith, we pray, to trust you in deeper ways, to see more and more of the, your mission on the earth happen in us and through us. We love you. We yield to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're on the prayer team this morning, would you make your way to the front, please? Here's what we're gonna do for the next 15 minutes. We're gonna respond as people who have hopefully received the love of Jesus. Two types of people in the room, priests and patients. Priests, people who orient their life around delivering God praise because he's worthy, delivering him gratitude. That means singing to him and and, and praising him with your body because he's worth it. So we're gonna do, the band's gonna lead us an opportunity just to praise him. Everybody likes to be praised, so does God. Those are priests. Patience, you need some care. You need some guidance, you need some direction, you need some fatherly uh, insight. There's trusted men and women up here in the front that would love to pray over you. No strings attached. Freely they've received, so they just want to freely give, right? It's grace, it's a gift. I think God has some gifts he wants to give people this morning. And I think if you find yourself wanting that's for you. You find yourself lacking in your heart right now, he has a gift for you. He wants to give it to you. Act in faith. Take him up on his offer. See what he does. Come receive prayer, okay? And then Heracle Pastor closes at the end. Love you guys. Enjoy him.